Welcome to the O'Reilly Programming Podcast. I'm Jeff Blyall. Our guest today is Mark Bates. Mark is a full-stack web developer, author, frequent conference speaker, and organizer for events such as GopherCon and Gotham Go, and partner at Gopher Guides, a company focusing on Go training and Go conferences. Mark has led the O'Reilly live online training course Go Programming for the web, and he is the presenter of a number of videos on Go, including Go core techniques and tools and Go web frameworks and techniques. You can see them all on Safari, O'Reilly's technology and business learning platform. Go to Safari. BooksOnline.com. Mark is also the creator of the Go Web ecosystem Buffalo, and we'll spend a lot of time talking to him about that. And he'll be presenting a video on Buffalo that will be available on Safari later this fall. And we'll also talk to Mark about Go and some of the things that are happening in the Go community now. Enjoy the show. Hi, Mark. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jeff. It's great to be here. I want to spend much of the beginning of our discussion talking about Buffalo, but first, I want to ask you how long have you been working with Go? I've been working on Go now for, I would say, about four years. Mm. Been about four years, yeah, since I started Go, like properly. I was playing around with it a little beforehand, but kind of really fell in love with it and started doing stuff about four years ago. So, and I think this might lead nicely into our discussion about Buffalo. I wanted to get your take on the experience that new people have when they come to Go. What was your experience like in that regard? I know you've talked about the reaction you have to the just use the standard library <laughs> line of advice. Yeah, yeah, I talk about that a lot. You know, it's it's interesting. When I first came to to Go, it was still very, very niche. It's it's subsequently since exploded. This was before even the first GopherCon, and it was geez, maybe it's five years ago now. It was interesting. You know, I'm mostly a web guy. That's what really what I do. Uh, and at the time, I kind of found Go, and I was like, wow, this is really interesting. I love the concurrency aspect of it, but didn't love the fact that for me anyway, I wasn't getting the development win that I wanted to that I got with say Rails. Um, it was very difficult to just in Rails, I could spin up a web app in a weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, I'm actually almost finished in the past two days a web app for uh, Gotham Go, which is next week. And it's a scavenger hunt based. It's a Twitter based scavenger hunt app where tweets are coming in and they're being processed and points are being awarded to teams. And, you know, it, it's a pretty complex app and it's a fairly interesting app. It's only taken me a couple of days to build uh, with Buffalo. But back five years ago, I struggled with that and it was a real difficulty for me and a lot of things. And so the advice I kept getting was use the standard library, uh, which is advice a lot of people still get. And it's very scary if you don't know the standard library, uh, you don't know where to begin. And the standard library really is a set of building blocks that are meant for package developers, library developers, not kind of for the end user. And so I found it very, very scary. And I know a lot of people I talk to find it kind of scary and daunting because they're coming in and they're hearing this advice of just use the standard library. And the standard library is great. Don't get me wrong. But it's scary and it pushes a lot of people away. And that's that's not what we should be doing in Go, right? We should be welcoming people. We should make things as easy for people to get started, to get them get those early wins. And honestly, that's kind of where Buffalo came from. Yeah. Okay, so the, the quick description of Buffalo is that it's a Ruby on Rails inspired framework or ecosystem written in Go that can make building web applications faster and easier. Can you give us a little bit more of the, of the quick overview that answers the question, what is Buffalo? Sure. I'll start with, like I said, kind of the impetus and then tell you a bit more about it. I've already talked a little bit about the impetus, but really it has two kind of starting points for me. One was, you know, very, very, very selfish. I wanted to be as productive in Go as I was in Rails. Um, I wanted to be able to knock a nap out in a weekend. And I know a lot of people do. And myself being an entrepreneur, I've got several companies and I've got clients and I need to get apps done very, very quickly. And I can't spend 
days or weeks kind of building a route, my own router or my own templates or all these things that you need to do to build a complex web app. I just need them there and ready to go. Uh, so I can't just use a standard library. It, it falls short of, of getting me to that rapid development. So that was kind of step one. Step two is I wanted to bring more people into Go. I, I love Go and I think Go is a fantastic language. And I think web is one of the easiest ways to pull people in since Every company in the world has a web app. <laughs> uh, most people have web apps, right? Like it's a very kind of generic thing. It's everybody knows the web if you're a developer. So there's a huge market there. And to get people to come in, we don't want them to be scared. We want to give them something that's simple, something that's easy, that's kind of ready, that will guide them, give them that good win that they that they got with Ruby or you know Rails and that sort of stuff. But in Go this time. So we developed... I don't like the word framework um, to answer that question for a lot of reasons. One is in the Go world, framework is a four-letter word. Yeah. Uh, whether it should be or not is a different argument. But I like the idea of an ecosystem because Buffalo is more than just a framework. There are a lot of frameworks in Go uh, for the web, but Buffalo takes a step further. It's a whole set of tooling. It's kind of a complete end-to-end. -end. You know, we bring in Node and, and Webpack for front-end stuff, and we've, you know, kind of make it a seamless set of tools and experiences from building your app to starting your app, like creating a brand new app to deploying your app, Buffalo aims to kind of help you through that entire process. So it really is an ecosystem, not just a framework. You kind of alluded to this, but there were and, and are a, a number of already existing Go frameworks. So what what were the problems or, or the pain points with them that, that led you to you know start creating your own? No, that's, that's an excellent question. Um, so a lot of the pain points I had were a lot of them didn't go far enough. And that's, you know, they were just Go only. Um, they didn't help me with the front end. They didn't help me with templating. They didn't help me with assets like JavaScript and, and style sheets. I still had to figure all that out myself. They didn't offer a good project structure. A lot of them were just, here's a library build on top of this. And so there was still a lot of repetitive code. They weren't generators. They weren't, this is how your app should be laid out. Um, and so that was the big problem I had with a lot of them. I played with, I played with almost all of them. I settled on Echo for a while, but again, it was just a library. It didn't give me that full kind of system. I want, you know, with Buffalo like Rails, you could sit down at any Buffalo app and they all look pretty much the same, um, just like in Rails. And, and I like that. I like knowing where everything is and how everything's going. And I want to get going, like I said, within seconds. Uh, I want to be writing business logic. I don't want to have to copy and paste, you know, kind of templates or, you know, snippets of code rather, or say, okay, now how do I start? and Where do I start this? And everybody's still trying to figure out their own little bits and pieces, how all this stuff glues together. Um, so Buffalo really started taking shape by, and it still is really a collection of really great packages with glue on top of it to make it all kind of work together for you. Um, yeah, because you, you've said Buffalo, you've described Buffalo as the glue around the best parts of Go, right? Right. Yeah, we even have an auto-generated file called Shoulders um, for standing on the giant, shoulders of giants where we list every single package that we depend on uh, with links back to the original packages. And, the, you know, we encourage people to to uh, maintain those, to help those package owners, because we don't want to have to build all those tools ourselves. Uh, there are a lot of great people doing lots of really smart things out there, and we want to leverage that and, again, bring people into the Go community and say, don't worry, we figured out your I18N solution for you. You know, we think this is the best package for it. And here it is all set up, ready to work in your application. And you've also said that Buffalo is extracted, not imagined. Can you say more about that? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, you know, Buffalo has been kicking around for me uh, in various shapes over the last few years. 
Uh, I did a project for a company, a year-long project. It was an enterprise solution. It was a closed source binary that was shipped to enterprise customers uh, that had to have zero dependencies behind it, uh, support for Postgres, MySQL, and SQLite. And so Buffalo kind of grew out of that, that need to, I need to ship a single binary. So I've got to make sure all my JavaScript, my style sheets, my uh, templates, my migrations, or everything are in there. I need a migration system that can handle one of those, that can handle all three of those systems with the same set of migrations. We didn't want to write three different sets of migrations for each different database. And we had front end developers who are used to Node and Webpack and they were doing React stuff. So we needed a complex front end system. And, you know, something like Webpack really fit the bill. So that's kind of where Buffalo started in kind of solving that real world problem of how do I ship this closed source single binary that supports these different frameworks that has these UI constraints on the front end, uh, to, you know, and how do we ship that? And how do we ship it quickly? And that's really where Buffalo started. Okay, so we have the notions that Buffalo is faster and easier, but you've also mentioned that it's more fun or that it puts the fun back into writing Go applications. Uh, Mark, is the fun, you know, simply a result of it being faster and easier, or, you know, or is there more to it than that? Uh, no, it's really just, a, you know, when we say faster, by the way, I, I want to make sure that we're talking development speed, really. Um, developer speed is, is really the key component of it. It's plenty fast. Obviously, it's written in Go. Um, there are faster, you know, if you strip away all these bits, you can get faster and you go down to bare metal. It is faster in performance. Uh, things can get faster in performance than Buffalo, but we're talking development speed. So yeah, for so in terms of fun, you know, it's it's easy to write these apps. And when things are easy, they become, they can be fun. Um, I shouldn't have to worry about, you know, all this code. I just want to worry about my business logic. Um, and so to be up and running and to see business logic happening so quickly, that is fun. And it's exciting to see things on the page. And they look nice already because we bring boot strap in for you and things are just kind of there and they work and everything kind of works together and it's fun you get to the enjoyment of coding you're not spending days saying how do i do this thing in the go templating library for example you know how do you're not googling and stack overflowing it's pretty simple and straightforward and so we think it's fun i think it's fun yeah and let's talk about the impact that buffalo might have or, or is already having on the go community um you've said that you think it could really help grow the go community and lead to an increase in jobs for go developers that kind of thing yeah absolutely um you know the more the more go developers we have the bigger the community we have it means more ideas we have obviously which makes the community better more diverse um but the more developers there are the more likely companies are going to take a chance on go and if they're taking a chance on go they won't be disappointed it's a great language and you know that means there's more jobs and more jobs is always a better thing uh, for those of us who, who obviously love writing go uh, we're seeing this already we're seeing in the buffalo slack channel so many people coming to to go into buffalo from either from other languages, you know, and they're like, this is my first experience with Go and this is pretty awesome. And, you know, I've got a quick question and I'm getting an app out there tonight and I didn't think I was possible in Go. This is really cool to I've never written a line of code before. I heard about Go. Go sounds interesting. Then I heard about Buffalo and that sounded just as interesting. So here I am, you know, and so we're getting it's the channels turning into this almost pseudo uh, newbie channel for new Go developers as well, which is kind of fun. Uh, so you get a lot of interesting questions in there, everything from just, you know, framework, you know, Buffalo related questions to maybe I'm missing something, but how do you do this and go? So we're seeing it. We're seeing it in the channel. We're seeing the community start to grow. And we're seeing these these new developers come to it. It's fantastic. That's great. Let's go back to Go 
and mm-hmm. some of the things about the language that you stress in the live online training course, Go Programming for the Web, and in your videos and learning paths on Go core techniques and tools and Go database framework and techniques. Let's start with concurrency in Go. Mm-hmm. How different is it in Go compared to some other languages? And <laughs> what's, uh, what's the importance of Go routines? <laughs> That's funny. So I, I chuckled a little bit. It's far, far different than uh, any language I've used. It is based on an older concept of CSP, which I'll leave the real computer science peeps to explain. <laughs> that's not my that's not my 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 gig. But, you know, go routines. I come from obviously spent a lot of time in the Ruby world since 2005. And before that, I was in the Java world. And, you know, I mean, Ruby, the concurrency story in Ruby is pretty much non-existent, as, as most people know. And Java, it's existent, but complicated. And, and it's complicated in a lot of languages. And what I loved about Go was I came to it and, you know, it was immediately obvious that Go routines and channels and the concurrency story within Go are not afterthoughts. They're, they were original thoughts and they were, how do we build a language that is concurrent? Uh, and it's right there built into the language spec. It's not a library. It's not a package. It's not an afterthought that you pull in. It's there in the language. And that's very refreshing to see that. And it does make a lot of things a lot simpler. You know, I mean, whenever you're dealing with concurrency, there is obviously issues you have to worry about. We still have to worry about mutexes and deadlocks and race conditions. But the tooling that around Go, you know, when you run your test with the race detector flag, for example, it's remarkable that it can show you, hey, look, you've got a race condition here. It's not showing up when you run the app, you know, because you're only hitting it one person at a time, your development environment. But let me show you exactly where this deadlock is so you can fix it properly. That's remarkable. And that's something I just I haven't seen in a lot of the languages I play. But I mean, I've done Objective-C and Swift and JavaScript and stuff like that. But I, I just haven't seen that level of tooling around concurrency either. And that was pretty remarkable. But to be able to take anything I want and say, okay, Let's run this and spin this off. Uh, it was remarkable. People do people overuse it? Absolutely. Um, new new developers in particular overuse channels a lot, <laughs> but it's the fresh breath air when you see it for the first time, and you kind of come to you go, "Wow, I can build really amazing complex stuff very very quickly and easily with this." What is it about Go that makes it a good choice for for building web apps? Again, it's more than just the fact that you can do it fast, right? Yeah, I mean. For me, the reason why I like writing Go for web apps, you know, obviously there is the performance of Go itself is just mind-blowingly fast compared to, say, a Ruby, for example, you know. So because of that, I can, as you know, as somebody who runs a lot of startups and who works with a lot of startups, uh, you know, in various forms, being able to reduce my costs by saying, I can spin up less instances on AWS or Heroku, whatever, is remarkable. I can get one, two millisecond response times on my APIs without really trying compared to 100 milliseconds, 200, 300 milliseconds with Rails. So that part alone is an immediate win for me. Type safety is is a huge win for me. Knowing that the things I'm working with are the things I expect them to be is huge. And they're not going to be nil. I mean, there's a couple of examples of like pointers and stuff where obviously things can be nil. But in the Ruby world, there was definitely a lot of hope and pray <laughs> kind of solutions, uh, things going on, you know, that and some those things that are just hard to track down. I couldn't grep through code uh, to find a method that I was looking for in Ruby because the method was being generated through some gem on the fly based on some other piece of input. So I could never actually find the thing I was trying to debug. Whereas in Go, I always joke that it's a WYSIWYG language uh, and that what you see is what you get. 
I look at the code and that's my code. There, there's nothing magical or special going on in that code. There's no dynamicism going on in that code. It's usually easy, straightforward to read code. If there's a package doing something, well, I can look at the top of my file and I can see exactly what packages are being imported. And not only that, but because of the way they do Go does import URLs, I can go straight to GitHub <laughs> and find the package straight on GitHub. And I also know where that package is on my local disk because it all follows the same exact pattern. So I really love that WYSIWYG kind of analogy and that, you know, it, it, it really suits it a lot. So for me, it's that safety I get when I write Go that I didn't have necessarily when writing Ruby. I, I could do a lot of really cool stuff with Ruby, but I can't do, you know, which I can't do with Go, but I can also sleep better at night knowing that my app isn't going to randomly trip over some corner that it's going to be days to debug, you know. Can you talk about how easy or how hard it is to test web apps in Go and some of the tools you, you use to do that? Yeah, actually, testing web apps in Go is actually remarkably straightforward, uh, which is really, really nice. The standard library does have some great tools in the HTTP test package for uh, writing tests. Like a lot of Go, there's debate over whether you should use third-party tools to help you test. I'm okay with it. Others are not. They just want it's just the standard library. Those are also the people who say just use the standard library all the time. <laughs> uh, you don't seem to care what those people say, do you? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, to each their own, though. That's that's kind of the way I I'll always see it. If you know, if uh, if you're if you want to just use the standard library, then knock yourself out. Go for it. And I think it's, you know, that's fine. And, you know, it's it's what you want to do. Personally, for me, I've just got to get stuff done. I'm much more pragmatic. I, I as, as much as I would love to spend days building out those systems and that glue, I, I just need somebody else to do it. In this case, me, actually, it's kind of ironic. But <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? I just need to focus on my business logic. Um, but same thing with testing. I, you know, I like using uh, assertion libraries and some other tools to do web testing and go that just make things a little easier, a little less code to write. But that's just, again, because my goal is to just get the stuff done. And whether I hand code every single line of my tests or whether I use assert equals and then two things and it generates error message and stuff for me, as long as I have tests, that's what really matters to me. So, you know, I come down on the I'm fine using third party packages. <clears throat> a lot of people aren't. But that's, you know, again, differences in developers. And that's that's the way a lot of people use Sinatra and Ruby. And I, I used Rails like like a lot of other people because Rails had everything there and the kitchen sink was there. Uh, and Ruby and Sinatra and I would spend days just adding the kitchen sink back. And it was like, what's the point? Let's take a couple of minutes to talk about what's happening with Go now. Yeah. Um, just about a month ago, in, in late August, there was the release of Go 1.9. Were there any changes to the language with that release that stood out to you? There was only one big change to the language, and that was aliases. I personally haven't had a chance to really play with them. Buffalo supports two releases at any given time, so we can't use aliases for at least until 1.10. So, so I haven't had a chance to play with them too much. Um, overall, there are you know, a couple new packages and... Obviously, usually better, you know, speed improvements, which there definitely were that I saw anyway. But overall, one of the things I love about Go is that it's not a radically changing language release to release. They're usually fixing things and making things better from one release to the next release. And that to me is one of the beautiful parts. You know, again, I, you know, I'm not picking on Ruby. I'm just drawing from my past experiences here. You know, I remember the jump from 186 to 187 was a real pain because they backported stuff from 19 to 187. 
and it caused a lot of issues. And a lot of people were afraid to jump from 1.8 to 1.9 because of a lot of big changes in the language. And then from 1.9 to 2, there are, again, big changes in the language. Whereas Go has this great backward compatibility where, you know, a uh, rule where I know that I can upgrade my Go installation today and my code's still going to compile. And that's a beautiful thing. And you're very active going to a lot of conferences and doing a lot of speaking and training. What are some of the hot topics of discussion around Go that are being talked about in the Go community right now? Well, there's always the dreaded generics discussion, <laughs> uh, which I try not to get into. I personally don't necessarily have the need for generics. And, you know, I worked in languages that never had generics. I worked in Java before generics, so I still managed to ship a lot of code um, without them. I ship a lot of code in Go today without generics, um, so I don't really see a lot personally there, but, uh, you know, big thing to do. Um, there's, I think, general discussion now. There's a lot of discussion about what Go 2 should be. Russ Cox announced the kind of idea of Go 2 at GopherCon this year in his keynote. And it was more a roadmap, not even a roadmap. It was more a dis let's start a discussion around what this should be and how we should get there. And a lot of people instantly tweeted, Russ Cox announces Go 2, and that was not at all the case. <laughs> Go 2 may never even happen. I think that should be something that people really need to understand is, or Go 2 could just be a simple evolution of the language and not even be that dramatic. You know, it could be years away. So it was really like, let's discuss what it should be. So there's definitely big questions around what it should be and how it should work. So those are kind of some of the biggest discussions now um, around go-to. Generics are always a discussion point. I think Buffalo is starting to raise a lot of questions about, you know, the whether the stand, use the standard library idiom is actually good advice or not. I've seen a lot of debate now happening over the last few months because of Buffalo uh, has sparked a lot of that debate, which I think is fantastic. Um, it's a great debate to have. Uh, and then the other great discussion we're having right now is about contributing to Go. And that's uh, Nate Fitch, who's uh, a, a local here in Boston with me. As a matter of fact, him and I are speaking at the Go meetup tonight on open source and how to contribute. He proposed um, that the Go language use GitHub primarily for the pull requests. And that's garnered a lot of great discussion about the contributing to Go process and whether that's difficult or not for people and how, you know, how to make that more accessible to, to, to new developers, new, new people, uh, people new to Go and people who, who are existing, who've been around in Go for a while, but find it difficult to contribute. So that's a great discussion I think we're having right now in the community as well. So, Mark, I wanted to ask you about some of your upcoming activities, and uh, this episode is scheduled to release right in the middle of Gotham Go. Yeah, yeah, it is. And Gotham Go is a great conference in uh, New York City that I help organize with Steve Francia, who's uh, on the Go team, as well as Gray Herder, who organizes a whole bunch of conferences. He's a great guy. Uh, so very excited about that. That's always a great time. And then, you know, after that, I've got uh, going to record a uh Buffalo video for O'Reilly, um, building a, an entire Buffalo application. Uh, we're going to walk through it step by step from running Buffalo New all the way through deployment. Very excited about that. So I'm not sure when that's coming out. It's going to be recorded in October 17. So I, I don't know like of the dates, but hopefully soon. Um, and then next year, I'm working on a bunch of classes for O'Reilly, um, one on Buffalo, one on uh, database, and SQL and Go, standard uh, web development in Go without Buffalo and I believe a fundamentals course, uh, which are all fantastic. Um, I do, uh, I work for a company called Gopher Guides and uh, my partner, Corey Lanou, who's uh, 
great Go developer and kind of owns the Midwest Go community. He started the Minneapolis meetup, the Chicago Go meetup. A really great guy. Him and I partnered up and we do a lot of training for corporate uh, corporate training, uh, in-person training. We're also building a online training platform that we've already started uh, beta testing with our in-person training classes. So they get all the same slides and they're evergreen and it's a really fantastic platform that we've been building and we're going to be releasing that soon to the public so that they can get access to our online courses. And of course, it's all written in Buffalo as well. So lots going on there. Uh, just so much. We got the I got the local Boston Go community, which I speak at every few months um, and try to help out there as best I can. But those peeps are doing a fantastic job. Uh, just so much. <laughs> more, th- more than I could probably say. Of course, we got Buffalo releases every few weeks scheduled out throughout all that. Yeah. And if our listeners want to find out more about you or keep up to date on your activities, where should they go online? Twitter is obviously the best place. I'm Mark Bates on Twitter. I'm Mark Bates on GitHub. I'm Mark Bates on Gopher Slack. <laughs> Pretty much if you can find Mark Bates, you've probably found me anywhere uh, you can. Um, but I would say if you're interested in Buffalo, uh, follow me on Twitter. Follow GoBuffalo underscore IO on Twitter or go to GoBuffalo.io our documentation site, join us the Buffalo Slack channel in the Gophers Slack. We love having new developers. We love having new people in there. I'm in there all the time trying my best to help. Even if it's not a Buffalo question, I do my my, my hardest to, to help you. But we've got a lot of great people who are piping in and jumping up. And one person yesterday was saying, I'm trying to do this thing with Vue.js and Buffalo. And another person said, oh, I've already done one. Let me show you. Here's a little snippet of what you need to tweak and webpack to get that working. Uh, and so it's fantastic little community that we've got growing there. We've got people have given user groups in Poland. Uh, they've given talks there in South America. They've given talks in North America and Europe. There have been talks about Buffalo at, conference, at conferences and at user groups. Uh, it's fantastic. And of course, like always, if you see me in the wild, find me and ask me for Buffalo stickers because I've got the most amazing little Buffalo stickers. Uh, they're so cute. Nice. All right. Well, Mark Bates, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. And uh, thank you very much for joining us. Yes. Thank you, Jeff. It was great, great to be on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Once again, you can access the videos on Go that are presented by our guest, Mark Bates, by going to Safari, O'Reilly's technology and business learning platform. Mark has also done videos on CoffeeScript and Ruby that you can see there, and we'll have links to all these items in the show notes that accompany this episode. And we always want to remind you that if you like this podcast, please subscribe via iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, or Stitcher, so you never miss an episode. For the O'Reilly Programming Podcast, I'm Jeff Blyle.